let us get into the message. We are going through a series on 1 Corinthians. If you've been at our church for the past few months, you know that that's what we've been doing. Started from chapter 1, verse 1, and now today we are up to chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 30. We're up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 30. And just to recap a little bit, last week, what were we doing last week? Last week, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, Paul moved on to a new topic. Um, if you remember, he's been going through different questions and topics that the Corinthians had, and starting in the beginning of chapter 12, he came up to the topic of spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. And, you know, so the background is so important. So to understand all of chapter 12, 13, and 14, you need to understand the background. And what was going on was that the Corinthian church was a church filled with the manifestation of the Holy Spirit spiritual gifts, um, the working of the Spirit of God in, in awesome, amazing, sometimes spectacular ways. And one of the gifts was the gift of tongues. And what the gift of tongues is, and we'll get to this in, in future chapters, is that it was a, a supernatural language, like a prayer language that you could pray to God that is not like any earthly language, that is not able to be understood with an earthly dictionary, um, but, but it's a means of praying to God. And, and because of its very otherworldly or spectacular seeming nature, there were those within the Corinthian church that thought, this is the most spiritual of the gifts. And, and, and I, I look, man, look at this. I'm speaking in an undecipherable language. This is an angelic heavenly language of some sort. This is the best gift out of them all. And they set themselves above the other Corinthians with other kinds of gifts. So these people were, were bragging about the gift of tongues. And, and so the question that came to Paul or the disagreement that Paul heard about and that he's addressing is this conflict in the church between those um, tongues braggers, I'll call them that, tongues braggers, and versus people with, with other gifts and, and, um, and, and how this was supposed to work out. Now, so what did Paul have to say? Paul, the big picture was that, no, tongues is not better than any other gift. Tongues is just a gift. They're not more special than anybody else, no matter how um, interesting or spectacular that gift may seem to some people. Um, I, you know, I, I know you can't read this clearly, but in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, he lists nine gifts there. Tongue is only one out of nine. So what he's saying is, hey, there's a lot of other gifts, brothers and sisters, not just tongues. And then in other places in the Bible, whether in the book of Romans or later on in chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, even 1 Peter chapter 4, there are various different gifts and workings of the Holy Spirit that are talked about. So no one place has all the gifts, which seems to imply that this is not meant to be exhaustive. There are probably many, 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 many different types of spiritual gifts out there, tongues being only one of them. Also, in verse 4, last week, Paul said there are varieties of gifts, spiritual gifts, but he also said there are varieties of service, the word diakonos there, diakonia, same where we get our word deacon, and varieties of activities, but it's God empowering these things in everybody. So Paul is saying, hey, it's not just the Spirit of God working only when you have a spiritual gift, but when you serve, the Spirit of God is working. Through various activities, the Spirit of God is working. Paul's broadening this out a lot, and he's saying, hey, we all have the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, we all have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working through all of us in different ways. There are no second-class citizens. 
Everybody, everybody has the spirit of God. Tongues is just one out of many different gifts. So if I would say last week, verses 1 through 11, Paul is emphasizing the diversity of gifts, not just tongues, but many different gifts. Hey, tongues isn't the only thing out there. There's a diversity, a range of gifts, service, and activities. I would say that this week in verses 12 through 30, Paul is emphasizing more the unity, the unity of the body. So let let me read here verses 12 through 14. So I'm I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, the whole uh, passage at once. I'm going to go through it piecemeal today. We'll be doing it a little bit different, but we'll go through all the way to verse 30. So first, these few, few verses says, for just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Paul here in these opening verses of of today's passage is emphasizing that, yes, there is a great diversity of gifts and of different kinds of people, all different kinds of backgrounds within the church. There is also a unity as well because he says we are actually one body. He uses the analogy of a human body to describe that Hey, there are many different parts in a human body, hands and eyes and hair and feet and legs, but it's still one body. We're still united together, and that's the perspective and attitude that we should have when it comes to spiritual gifts. Look look at how much Paul is, is the interplay of unity and diversity in these verses. Look, he says, for just as the body is one, unity, and as many members, diversity, In all the members of the body, though many, diversity are one body, unity, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, unity, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, tremendous diversity. And all were made to drink of one spirit, unity, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. This interplay between unity and diversity. Paul uses the analogy of a human body to say, hey, tongue speakers, I don't know, let's call them the tongue of the body for lack of a a better part of the body to choose. I think it's very appropriate. You are just one part of the body. There's a huge diversity, but this diversity doesn't scatter. This diversity is also a unity. We are one body in Christ. Don't forget that. You're not better than anybody else. This is so important. This is so important because we, when we forget this, we can go to one of two extremes. And now, now the first extreme I want to talk about here is in verses 15 through 17. And I'll call this the, um, the inferiority perspective here in verses 15 through 17. Paul says, If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So 
First, Paul is addressing a group within the Corinthian church, uh, these people who apparently were buying in to the tongues braggers perspective. And they were thinking, oh, look at how miraculous and supernatural that looks when when Bob over there speaks in tongues and, and he gets up and he speaks in tongues and everything, that looks so spiritual. That looks so supernatural. Man, what do I got? I got helps, gift of helps. You know, man, I, I, Bob is special. Not me. I know I always pick on helps. It's just, it just seems too easy. But Bob is the, the spiritual one. And, and, and so he's, he's more important within the church. Apparently, some people were developing this this sense of inferiority, that there were some gifts that made certain people more important. We can do that, can't we, within the church? Say, oh, you know, Ulysses, you're a pastor. It's the the pastors. It's the the clergy. It's the staff. Those are the people who do the real ministry within the church. Those people who are out there on the mission field, they're the real, real frontline Christians. It's the people up here on the stage, the, the worship members, the worship team, the worship leaders. It's the people leading my community group. Those people who are out front, those are the ones who are really doing ministry. But me, who am I? Man, I'm, I'm not like them. I can't do that. Man, you know how terrible this church would be if it was a church filled with everybody like me? That would be a nightmare. That'd be my worst nightmare. I would not come to this church if it were filled with me's. And, and trust me, as much as, as highly as you think of yourself, you would not like this church if it was filled with all of just you. A hundred or two hundred of you in this church. That, that's, that's, that turns, as Paul says, the entire body into an eye or the entire body into an ear. It'd be grotesque. D.A. Carson, he put it this way. He said, indeed, A body consisting of a single organ, a giant eyeball, perhaps. Who's going to come to church? That's scary. (laughs) Or one single massive toenail or knee would be grotesque. Don't go on any further, D.A. Carson. You had me at toenail. I was convinced if we were one massive toenail, that would be grotesque. Paul's saying, no, no, this is not the way the body of Christ works. Now, Let me say this as well. Maybe some of you are here and you don't feel inferior to anybody else. You you know, Ulysses, I don't deal with an inferiority complex like that. And I I know you're no no better than me. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. But but listen, if if for you, church, is you kind of come in here on Sunday, you listen to a message, kind of leave right away, you go home or whatnot, if that's your typical involvement with church, you don't really get involved, you don't really serve. And, and, and what's going on here? In the back of your mind, subconsciously, what is that saying? It says you think that your gifts and the way that God made you and the part of the body that you are doesn't really make a difference to this church. This church doesn't need me to be involved, to serve, to do any of those things, to get really, really connected. It looks like it's fine on its own. If that's you, you are buying into a version of this inferiority complex without the self-pity, maybe. But you think that it doesn't make a difference whether or not you are involved and participating and connected. Brothers and sisters, if that's you, 
That's the same, that's a different variation of this argument that Paul is making. And I want to tell you that if this is your church, if renewal is your church, we do need you. We do need you. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are special. You matter. God made you to be a part of this community. If you do feel like, hey, the pastors are the ones who do things, and who am I? I don't have those gifts. A friend of mine, I think I shared this story in the past, a friend of mine was telling me about how he knew somebody, this guy who was going through a very frustrating period in his life. He, he was angry about something, really frustrated. You know how when you get really frustrated, sometimes you just do something really crazy or dumb. Sometimes you may do that. This guy was so frustrated and fed up with life that one day he just decided to shave off his eyebrows, to shave them off in a fit of frustration or something like that. Don't know why. That's what he did. We do crazy things, right? He shaved off his, his eyebrows. Maybe he didn't want people to realize that he was angry or frustrated anymore. So he shaved off his I don't know why. He's, like, he's probably thinking, what's the big deal? Just my eyebrows, they'll grow back. Well, you realize one day he was out there with his friends playing basketball and, and, and he, was, he was playing hard. It was hot. This guy's sweating up a storm. He's playing basketball with his friends. All of a sudden he has to go to the free throw line to shoot some free throws because he, he got fouled. And as he's there, he's realizing his head is pouring with sweat. And now that he doesn't have any eyebrows, the sweat goes straight into his eyes. The eyebrows normally would divert the sweat to the sides, but now it's just pouring straight into his eyes. And he's there, he's trying to do these free throws, and he's like this the whole time. <laughs> he, he couldn't see. He couldn't see. In that moment, he realized, man, eyebrows are super important. Brothers and sisters, if you think your eyebrows today know that you are important, you are important. Every part of the body of Christ is needed. You are important. We need you. We need you in the body of Christ, involved, serving, and participating with the gifts and the activities and the services that God has given you. Now, in verse 18, Paul says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I love this word here, arranged. God arranged the members of the body. That word arranged there has connotations of design, of design. It means that if this is the church that God has placed you in, it's not an accident. And, and the image is of like a piece of beautiful jewelry that a master jeweler, a master artisan has put together every stone in its place. I'll put an emerald here and a ruby here, and together it forms this beautiful piece of jewelry. That's what it, the connotation here is that God has designed the body of Christ and has placed each person here for a specific purpose. And without you, there's a piece missing in the jewelry, and it makes a difference. It's not complete. The work of art is not done. God has an intentionally designed, he has arranged the body of Christ purposefully. Just like in verse four, it says God distributed the gifts. He said, this gift here, this gift to you, this gift to you, ah, together, everybody using their gifts, a masterpiece, the body of Christ. We need you. Now, that is um, Paul addressing these people with a sense of inferiority. 
Now he addresses the people with the sense of superiority. Now here in verse 21, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, not are weaker, seem to be weaker, are indispensable. Now, look at the analogy Paul uses here. Paul is here picking parts of the body that might seem to be more prestigious. The eye. The eye. You know, I I can see. Vision. Gosh, where would we be without our sight? My goodness. And he's using this illustration of the eye saying to the hand, I don't need you, hand. I'm so much more important than you. You know, obviously it's so ridiculous, right? The hand will be like, oh, okay. Wait one day till something flies into into your eye. You get something stuck in your eye. And then you're there like, I, I, there's a speck of sand in me. Help me. And the eye says, you can help yourself. Why don't you try blinking a little bit faster? Why don't you try rolling your eyes around a little bit more? It'll come out eventually. How, how ridiculous would that be for the eye to say, hand, I don't need you. Or for the head to say, feet, I don't need you. I'm the head. One day the head says, oh, feet, I feel woozy. I feel dizzy. Take me over to the bed so we can lay down. And the feet just says, nah, I think we're good in this parking lot. We could ju- you could just lay down here. I don't feel like moving around any, anymore. Enjoy your nap, head. It, it, it'd be ridiculous for the head to say, I don't need you. I don't need the feet. It's, it's something that is absolutely impossible. It makes no sense. Even the parts that seem weaker are indispensable, the Word of God says. They are indispensable. Maybe we don't know how some parts of the body works or what somebody's gift or role is, but they are still a part of the body of Christ, and we need to discover that. You ever find like a, like a loose screw in your kitchen or something? Do you take that screw and just chuck it? Some of you might. Okay. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You don't do that. What do you do when you find a screw on the floor? You go, where does this belong? (laughs) This belongs somewhere. There's some thing right now that is missing this screw, and if it doesn't find it, it's going to get looser and looser and looser until one day my dishwasher falls apart. (laughs) We need to find out. This everything plays a part. And now, this is important because some of us, this, this might not be how we think. Maybe you grew up very, very self-sufficient. And you feel like, hey, I don't, I don't need other people. Maybe you were told, or maybe you grew up in a culture where it says, you know, needing other people is, is a sign of weakness. No, self-sufficiency. I can do everything on my own. So what do you do? You, you, you don't need other people. You feel like you don't need them. So you don't open up about your struggles. You don't share about your sins. You don't let other people come alongside and, and bear your burdens together with you like the Bible says. You say, I don't need you. Sometimes we do that. And that's wrong. Sometimes we do that by looking for only quote-unquote value-adding people. Sometimes we do that. We, we look for people that we think, oh, this person can, can help me grow in knowledge. This person can help my social life. This person can, can help me to get more, more fit or something or another. And those are people that I want in my life because they can add value. But these people, what can they do for me? So we just 
hone in on these people that we think can add value to ourselves and we think these people can't do anything for us. I think, brothers and sisters, as a pastor of this church, I think one area that we can see this, we are, it is possible, we may be prone to seeing this, is in life stages not mixing together, right? Young people stay with young people, maybe marrieds hang out with married, parents stay together with parents, older people stay with older people. There's a tendency for that in the church, isn't there? And now it's totally understandable and natural for young people to want to hang out with young people, for maybe somebody who's a parent to want to hang out with other parents because you understand you're going through the same stage in life together. That's totally normal and understandable. But at the same time, I think we can take it to an extreme where that becomes our only circle and we view people in other life stages as not really that value adding to me. I mean, young people, we may do this. We say, oh, you know, gosh, old people, I'm allergic to old people. I, I just, I got nothing in common. They're no fun anymore. Man, they're always, they're always so tired. Man, and if they, if they have kids, they have such early bedtimes. You're going home at 10 o'clock? Night is young, man. Come on. That's boring. You feel like you don't have anything in common. And now you, you could think that way. You could live that way. But let me tell you, you will miss out on a lot of the body of Christ. For one, you will miss out on wisdom. Wisdom. You may say, wisdom, hey, I'm, I'm trying to find somebody. I'm trying to get married. What does this old folky know about Hinge and OkCupid? And, listen, I don't know anything about, I hope I picked appropriate apps. I don't really know. I looked this up online. <laughs> I, I remember eHarmony developing back in the day. Listen, I don't know anything about Hinge and OkCupid, but you know what I do know? I know this right here. I know this. I got, I got life experience, bro. I can, I can show you the way through this jungle of dating. Aren't you tired of these apps? You're tired, right? You're tired. I know. I know you're tired. I've read about it. You're tired. We can add wisdom. If you hang around people who are, who are married or, and you can learn about marriage or who are parents and you can learn about what it means to be a godly father or mother, that is a lot of value add. And whether they're parents or married or if they're just older singles, whoever it might be, maybe you can just learn about what it means to, to live for the glory of God for the long haul and how to navigate life and how to be the light of Christ at work and how to deal with difficult people. There's there's a reason elders are called elders, right? Because they're elder, right? There's an implication of walking longer in the Lord and this maturity that can be of benefit to you. And you're missing out. You're missing out if you think, man, older people have nothing that can benefit me at this stage in my life. Similarly, older people, we can look at young people and go, Psh, oh, man, all they want to do is hang out. That's all. Five hours, six hours. Do you have a job? <laughs> do you have to wake up for work the next morning? I mean, seriously, what are you doing? Oh, man, these young people, they're so young <laughs> and, 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 and immature. And man, come on, I'm not on TikTok. I don't know. Like, what's the, uh, what do we have in common? Well, let, let, me, let me say this. You know, the, I, think, I think the majority of our church is probably still younger people, maybe people in their right out of college or in college in their 20s, maybe early 30s. And, and if you, as an older person, close yourself off to the younger people of our church, you're closing yourself off to the majority of our church and therefore the majority of the gifting of the works of the Holy Spirit within 
our church that could be a blessing to you, that could be a benefit to you. And did I mention free babysitting? Okay, enough said. So maybe one, one application of this is try, I encourage you, try a mixed-age community group. Try getting involved in a community group of mixed life stages and, and learning to benefit from the body of Christ together. Let me, let me say this also as a pastor to, um, not to primarily to all of you, but to those zooming in. I don't, I don't know how many people are zooming in. I don't know where you're zooming in from. Let me say this. If you, let, let me caveat this. If you're not a Christian and you're zooming in, this doesn't apply to you. I'm so glad you're zooming in. And I hope, I hope one day to see you in person as well as you, you learn more about Christ and you hear about the Bible. If you are a Christian, but you have um, a serious health condition or something that prevents you from being able to come in and, and join us together, this doesn't apply to you as well. But, but if you are a Christian, if you're a brother and sister in Christ, and, and Zooming in or online church has become like your regular way of being a part of the body of Christ, then I think, I think there's something going on here that Paul addresses. What, what's actually happening is like, you are meant to be like a hand in the body. You are meant to be a foot as a part of the body. But in, in a way, it's like you're being dismembered from the body of Christ. You're not together with the body. And we need you. We need you. If renewal is your church, we need you. If I'm your pastor, we need you. Remember that in 1 Corinthians here, the context here is Paul talking about the church gathering together, the assembly, the ecclesia, and, and nothing pictures the body of Christ more clearly than when the church for 2,000 years has been gathering together in person on the Lord's day, the first day of the week, on Sunday, the whole body together worshiping God, exalting him, encouraging each other, teaching each other, singing praises unto the glory of God, loving each other. That is the body of Christ. I know that, you know, COVID has done a number on us, has done a number on many different churches. And, you know, and I, I know that like work from home is, a, is kind of a privilege that more and more people are able to do. But I, I think we have to be careful about work from home also affecting our worship and worship turning into worship from home. And I know that, you know, maybe there's some of you now who are, who are thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I'll worship with the church in person a couple of times a month. Maybe a couple of times a month I'll zoom in. And, you know, like, are you, are you, are you, are you dismembered from the body? Maybe not, but I, I think you're kind of hacking at your hand a little bit there. I think your hand is is, is wounded, is bleeding, and maybe it kind of still works, but you shake hands like this, and, and it's not everything's quite right because Paul is saying we, have we are designed to be together as the body of Christ. We need each other. And if renewal is your church, we need you, I need you, you need us, and we really hope that we'll be able to be together as a community. Now, let me go on here. In chapter 23, Paul says there's some interesting stuff here. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, what's, what's Paul talking about here? What are the less honorable parts of the body? What are you talking about, Paul? When I read this, I'm thinking like, do you mean like, like my butt, Paul? You know, when I was growing up, I was, um, I was overweight in elementary school, junior high school. Uh, in junior high school, I started to stretch and I started to, to slim down and I got more active in sports and stuff, but I was still very self-conscious about my body in high school and particularly my butt. I felt like I had a really big butt. So what would I, you know, so all my shirts would hang down and cover my butt. T-shirts would be long, made sure they would cover my butt. Uh, button downs, I would never tuck them in. I would never tuck them in because then my butt would be out there when I'm walking down the hall and I'd be like people looking at my, my butt, right? So I would always cover it. Is that what you mean, Paul? Paul, are you saying like some of us are butts in the church? What do you mean by this? What are the unpresentable parts? Well, theologians are pretty agreed that that probably means private parts there, right? So Paul, yeah, of course we treat those parts with greater modesty. We should, we cover them up. What, what, are, you, what are you saying? What are you saying here, Paul? I, I, I don't think we should overcomplicate this. I think some um, theologians complicate this a little bit more than need be. I think what God is saying here, the heart of what he's saying is that God's heart is to honor parts of the body that we tend to dishonor, that we tend to not think are important. God thinks they're important. God pays special attention to them. God cares about them. And again, in the verse, verse 24 says, but God has composed, he composed the body like a master um, um, symphony where the conductor sees what instruments are needed and what parts they play. God is a master conductor who has composed the body of Christ and every part is important and needed even if some of us think differently or maybe some of us think differently about ourselves. We are to honor all the parts of our body. You know, I, I, and I think sometimes we, we think of, some people are behind the scenes and they're not honored, but man, they need, they need to be honored. They do so much for the body of Christ. Like our audiovisual team back there, they, they do so much. They do so much, but they only get people coming to them when something goes wrong, right? It's too loud! <laughs> How come that, you know, slide didn't work? But they do so much for us back there, but they're not in the limelight. They're not looked at up here on the stage. Our setup team and teardown team, our truck drivers, the people who come in early, who stay late every Sunday to make our church service happen. The people serving over there in kids' ministry, taking care of so many of the kids, the parent volunteers that do that as well, that a lot of the young people would be like, we have kids? Yeah, they're down that hallway over there. Yes, we do. That's what I mean. And, and we honor them because of the way that they serve. Really behind the scenes administrative people like our finance team, Hui and Jenny and Caroline, crunching the numbers, sending out your giving receipts, making sure we're able to pay the rent and all those things are working properly that are behind the scenes and so many other people that, that I, I won't get to mention that are behind the scenes that we, we honor because they play an important part in the body of Christ. God 
thinks every part is important. He designed every part to be important. And Paul says here that, you know, when we realize this, when we more deeply realize this, he says that we will have the same care for each other. We will care about each other more when we realize that we are one body. If you stub your toe really bad, every part of your body stops for your toe, doesn't it? Your hands reach out and grab your toe. Your body falls onto the bed to rest and focus on your toe. Your mind thinks about soothing thoughts to try to comfort your toe, right? Everything stops. You don't just like, oh, it's just a toe. Let's keep going. No, everything stops for that part of your body. You suffer together. And when one part of the body rejoices, you rejoice together. I mean, if somebody were were to say to you, hey, you have really nice eyes. Would your ears go, oh, here we go again. The eyes, the eyes, the eyes. Give me a break, man. You know, I think I'm just going to close myself off to not need to hear this, this stuff anymore. That's ridiculous. Your whole body goes, wow, thank you, because your eyes are a part of you. Now, this, this may sound really utilitarian. Is, is that selfish, Ulysses, that, that we care about each other because we are one body? No, no. The Bible makes it really clear that we are to love each other because we're the family of God. We are one family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are to love each other because of that. But this is the reality as well. God composed and designed and arranged our body so that we work best when we value each person and each person is contributing through the way that the Holy Spirit wants to work through him or her. We are not separate. We're, as Ernest Hemingway said, no man is an island. Do not ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. We are one interconnected family. Now let me close with the last verses here. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Notice what Paul does there. He puts tongues at the end there. Is it because it's not important? No, I think he's trying to make a point here. It's not the only one. And then he says in these uh, series of rhetorical questions, Are all apostles? No, because if all were, we'd be one giant apostle. We'd be one giant eyeball, right? Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. And this is where we disagree with our Pentecostal brothers and sisters whom we love very much and many of whom are so on fire for God But I think Paul's making it clear here that not everybody speaks in tongues. Some may, but we have different kinds of gifts. Tongues is not proof of this spiritual empowering that we need, um, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, that if we do not have, we cannot operate at that same level of power that we need, this kind of power up, so to speak, because Paul makes it clear that not all speak in tongues. Do all interpret No, no, because we need the different parts of the body of Christ. Now, let me close with a couple of applications before we get into inductions and baptism. 
Um, very simple applications. One, if, if you are that part of the body of Christ that is more dismembered or that thinks that you are not as needed or that your contributions don't matter to the body of Christ, I want to challenge you very simply, your application is to, to get involved, to get connected with the body of Christ, to, to connect with brothers and sisters in this church, to, to, to open up your life to others, to invite them into your life. If you are not serving, start serving. Seek to discover the spiritual gifts that God has placed within you because everybody has the Spirit working within them. Seek to care for others in this community because God will use you to do that. You are important and needed, desperately needed in our family. God has composed our body with you in mind. Secondly, maybe you are involved. Maybe you are connected. If you see somebody who is not, help him or her to get involved, knowing, knowing that it's not just about you. I'm doing okay, Lord. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm serving. I'm checking off all those boxes in Christian life. Sometimes Western thought makes it this way. It's individualistic. I'm doing all these things, so I'm okay. No, if your brothers and sisters around you are not connected, involved, and serving, if they feel like they can't, if they feel like they don't have any gifts, you're not done without them. You need them. Let's be a family that seeks to help every part of the family discover what part of the body they are. Or maybe if your relationships within this church have been more narrowly focused, like maybe maybe based upon the life stage or, or, or the, the backgrounds of certain people or what area they work in, I want to challenge you to broaden yourself and get to know different parts of the body because if you're an eye, don't just hang out with other eyes. You need feet, you need toenails, you need eyebrows, you need it all. I want to encourage you to, 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 it may feel a little uncomfortable, maybe out of your comfort zone. It's so much easier to hang out with people like you, but take that step of faith to say, I want to, I want to get to know other parts of the body of Christ because I know that I need them. And, and stepping out in faith, trusting that God is going to show you the ways that you can be blessed by them. Amen? Amen.